What's going on, everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I want to welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. And this episode is going to be no different. Stick around, and we're going to get started right now. Well, we'd like to welcome you guys to another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I am really, really incredibly honored to have, I think this is the second time we've had her featured on a podcast. I think we did it last year, uh, but wanted to bring her back. And we're going to start bringing back some amazing stories. We're looking at not only the engagement and what they share, but even the analytics that say, hey, it is time to get these people back on stage. In a blog post on HuffPost.com, contributing writer Flynn Coleman asks this question, why are stories so powerful? Well, the truth of the matter is is that they are more memorable than facts. Our brains are actually wired to respond to stories. Metaphors and anecdotes help us to relate ideas to our own experiences, providing richness and texture. Stories bring you and your listeners into a multidimensional world full of colors, sights, smells, and emotions, making us feel as though we are actually living the story. It's my pleasure to bring back it uh, t- started out as a client, turned uh, friend, now family, now colleague uh, in so many areas. I have so much respect for her journey. And uh, after you hear her story, you'll understand, and I'm sure you will too. If this is your first time, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to welcome Christine Psalms back to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Hey, Christine, you good? Good morning, Coach. I am. I am great. Thanks for having me again. I feel honored. Yes. Listen, I think you're the first person that I've done twice. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're the first person that we featured twice. Christine, one of the things that I want to do, and um, uh, for the sake of those who have never heard your story, you are uh, an amazing business owner. You've been running a dance studio for a number of years, and I'm sure you'll get into that. But uh, your love for the arts uh, came from somewhere. It started at a place. But now the way you show up is extremely unique and it's different because it's not just in the dance studio. And I need you to kind of really talk a little bit about, you know, what have you gone through that's informed where you are? And take us all the way back. Christine, the kid growing up in D.C., like how did that shape where you are today? And we want to bring people up because you're doing some really unique things in business that I don't think most entrepreneurs, A, get and B, could are pulling it off well, put it that way. So if you can, let's talk. Absolutely. So, yeah, I was that kid that grew up in southeast D.C., southeast with an F. If you from if you from this the DMV area, um, I was I guess you can say I grew up in the hood. Although my mother would, um, if she was alive today, she would fight you and say, "Nope, you did not grow up in the hood. It was just a place um, in the city." But um, she actually bused us an hour away to go to school because she did not like the schools in our particular neighborhood. And so I went to a um, pretty good pretty good um, public school. She could not afford private school when my, she and my dad divorced. And so I grew up, um, I'm the middle child, even though I act like I'm the oldest. Um, I have two brothers um, and I am definitely in charge and still in charge. But I grew up in a time where um, she was a single mom trying to raise the three of us. And she absolutely made it work. Um, but in that time, I was a shy child, but I had a love for dance. I had a love for the arts. And there was a time where she put me in dance 
but had to take me out because she could not afford it any longer. And so I had to stop my, um, my, my, my desire to dance at an early age and then picked it up later when she was able to find resources and I, I guess grants, if you will. But but what that did for me was it put a desire in me to help the inner city. It put a desire in me to open up a studio where I could be able to help um, parents like my mother, families like my mom who wanted, who their child had a desire to dance or be in the performing arts, but the families just couldn't afford it, whether it was based on financial circumstances or just a neighborhood that you were in and the um, you couldn't find a dance studio or an affordable one, if you will. So that's how it started. And um, the dream did not come to pass until I began to work at a uh, Christian private school. And I actually worked as a kindergarten teacher. I got my degree, my master's and what have you. And I, they brought me in. I was actually driving a school bus coach. You know, that's what we have in common. That's CDL. CDL work driver. We rock. So I would get up at five o'clock in the morning to go pick my bus up from the bus lot at 5.30 so that I can drive 30 minutes away because I had the longest route, but I made the most money as a driver. And so um, so in that, so what I did was while I was finishing my master's, I was driving the school bus. And then after I got my master's, the principal asked me to come into the school and come into the school and actually teach. And I started teaching kindergarten. So I started teaching kindergarten halfway through the school year. The principal said, hey, you have your degree in dance. And I said, I absolutely do. And so he said, we want you to to uh, do our dance program, to have a, we'll have a dance recital or a uh, Easter program, if you will. So I moved from teaching kindergarten from September to December. When January came, my subs would come in and take my class over while my kids were napping. I would go up to high school and teach these, these girls a dance so that they could perform for the Easter program. Remember, I was at a private school. So did that. Summertime came. It was amazing, amazing success. And during the summer months, the principal came to me, and I thought he was going to fire me because he said he wanted to talk to me. It was something really important. I'm like, okay, I just started working here. Are you going to fire me? Um, not, not only did he not fire me, he asked me to start the entire performing arts program. And so at the time, all they had was a band and a choir. And I had about nine girls from high school that I had taught them a dance for the Easter program. He wanted me to come out of the classroom, the classroom, if you will, I'm putting in air quotes, and go to the dance floor and actually teach dance. So I went from nine kids the previous year to heading an entire performing arts program, brought a team in to start the program from visual arts to African drums to uh, brass instruments to whatever you whatever you want, we had it there, a dance program full from nine kids. I went from there to over a hundred kids in the performing arts dance program. Started that. And from there, the parents were like, okay, we want more. How do we get more of this from you outside of these four walls? And I began to think, oh, I don't know. Well, there's a dance studio down the street. There's one across the across the way. And they said, no, we don't want that. We want what you have to offer. Because we were teaching technique. We were teaching values. We were teaching discipline. But the foundation was Christ. And that's what I built um, Dancing Forest Glory Studio and Company from. We built that. And so I began to teach part-time. 
I rented a trailer behind the school. I was still working there, had my nine to five, but I would pay the school, rented a trailer. I went one weekend and had a friend come in and we laid a dance floor down. We laid mirrors, put mirrors on the wall, put ballet bars in the room, and we created a dance studio behind the school so that I began to teach on Saturdays my own dance company. So that's how Dancing for Gorgeous Youth and Company came about. Here's what's what's funny. Yeah, I'm going to jump in real quick because, and I'm writing as you're talking, I hope the listeners are hearing the evolution. I I hope they're hearing you have to start in order to grow and you have to grow in order to scale it. And there's a common denominator in all of this. Christine, as you continue, I really want you to bring people into your world a little bit because you're more than just a dance studio owner. You're more than just a bus driver. You're more than just an educator. And there is a thing that kind of oozes out of your pores when you show up. And it's that thing that they wanted. And it continued to grow. I know you know where I'm going. But I want you to tap into that because I think that entrepreneurs often feel like that because they're super passionate about one thing, that that, in fact, is their one thing. And I don't believe that's necessarily true. I think it may be the way you deliver your one thing. But I think that when you show up and you're really brilliant at unearthing what that is, it causes people to come find you. And they want you. And they want you to do stuff for them. And you're put in a position to be able to help. Come on and continue to bring us up to modern day times a little bit and talk to us a little bit about how that evolution and that journey sort of panned out. Absolutely. So as we continue to to grow and scale the studio from part time, um, the need um, was even more where more parents were looking for us, parents that weren't even involved in the school. They wanted to know how could we be a part. And so I moved from being a part-time entrepreneur um, to leaving my nine to five and starting the business full-time. That meant finding an actual brick and mortar that I could bring people into, not just on Saturdays, but Monday through Saturday, if you will. And so that's what exactly what I did. But to the core, and to, to answer your question, I had to find out who I was to my core. Um, I own a dance studio, but that is not who I am. Um, I am a motivator. I motivate people to strive for excellence and absolutely succeed at it. And what that looks like is, is I am pushing you to your next. And that's if, if you understand who you are to your core, you can do absolutely anything. So if I wanted to sell ice to an Eskimo, I could absolutely do that because I could motivate them and make them think that if you don't eat this ice, you're missing out on something. And that's what it looks like to motivate people. So once you find out who you are to your core, and you helped me with that coach was helping me read the one thing, then everything else, like you says, like you say, becomes either easier or unnecessary. So that's what it looked like for me to begin to grow my business. And so now we we have a full-fledged brick and mortar um, where I have the only key, if you will. Um, I used to sublease, you know, and I would be, you know, at the whim of, of, of those people. Um, but what it looks like is, is I decided that I needed to have my own in order to do my own thing, in order to scale my business, in order to continue to grow my business so that I could walk in at a moment's notice. So that's what it looks like, Coach, to really scale your business and to really 
know who you are to your core. And you have to, I keep saying it because you, people think, oh yeah, I, I do a thing. I, I make, you know, I decorate wine glasses and no shade to those over decorate. I got a few of them myself, but that's not who you are. That's what you do. Um, um, so if you're decorating a wine glass, does that mean you're an empowerer? You're encouraging people to be creative. You're encouraging people to step out their zone. You're encouraging people to, to do a different thing, something that hasn't been done before. So find out who you are to your core. And I'll, I'll pause right there, coach. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I want to talk to people because, um, this ascent sounds glorious. Um, can you take us through one or two pitfalls that really, quite frankly, threatened you to quit? And um, talk about real quick a lesson that you may have learned that helped you to take that situation and actually turn it into something that will propel you even further. Absolutely. So let's bring us present day to uh, 2020, the beginning of the pandemic, even when I started in the MMC program. And I'll never forget the March of 2020 when we found out from Governor Hogan um, over the state of Maryland that he was shutting down the entire state. And what that meant was if you were not an essential employee, if you did not have an essential business dance studio, you cannot be open. Now, remember me saying that I have a brick and mortar. I have over 100 students in the studio. I have eight instructors. Um, I've got a family to support. I have bills. And he telling us that you are going to be shut down. And what that meant was that I would potentially not be earning any money for the foreseeable future. I could not pay my staff for the foreseeable future. Uh, I could not support my family financially for the foreseeable future. So running a business since 2014 full-time and then coming in six years later to 2020 and saying, hey, you're going to be shut down, something that you've built, it will crush you if you are not prepared. It will crush you if you don't have a business community in place to help support you and to help you pivot I know we've heard that word many, many times in 2020, but I am actually, if you look up the word pivot, you're going to find a picture of me because I figured out with the help of my business community to actually pivot. Now, what I mean by that is, is because I had to close down my brick and mortar, I was helped with, and I'm going to keep plugging MMC because that's what, that's what they did for me. They helped me look uh, at, so what it looked like to pivot from the brick and mortar to taking 100 students overnight to a virtual Zoom program. That means and that means t- helping my instructors figure it out at the same time, not just me, but my instructors as well as my dance family. So helping them pivot so that we could go from that, um, that brick and mortar to continue to having classes and actually perform a virtual recital um, in the same year, never canceled anything, the theater closed on me. They refunded our money, but we we never, ever stopped. And then to go from there, Coach, I met with you um, after that. And to be able to scale my business, I wanted to be able to figure out how do I keep my business open without relying on my clients. That was the key. What does that look like? So because the state was closed down, school was getting ready to open back up and the kids had to be in person virtually, what would that look like if I opened my doors to allow these kids to come in because their parents still had to work a nine to five, whether it was virtual or they were essential and had to go into the business place 
What would it look like if I opened my doors and offered my space for them to come in with their laptops, connected to my Wi-Fi, and have their lessons, their eight hours a day instruction inside my dance studio? And that's exactly what we did, Coach. We were able to do that. Now, I wrote down some numbers, and so I want you all to understand that this is, I didn't do this for free. I didn't just say, come on in, bring your babies in, and I'll, I'll make sure they're okay. But what I did was I charged them $500 per child per month to come into my dance studio. Now, it was $500 per month if you paid up front. But if you didn't pay up front, it was $200 a week. So y'all do the math on that. So I had some parents who didn't want to pay the $500 a month, but they, in fact, paid the $200 per week. So I had 12 kids in my studio because we were social distancing, so I couldn't bring all of them in. So those that wanted to come in... $1,200, 12 kids in the studio paying $500 a month. That was $7,200 a month. Had nothing to do with my clients. It had nothing to do with my dancers. Now, mind you, I'm still running my studio virtually. I'm still having my dance classes in person and virtually. So at that point, it's hybrid. We're in September of 2020. From there, so you're talking about $7,200 a month. That's what you call scaling your business. And we were able to add $64,000 increased in sales to scale my business just by me merely turning my lights on in my studio. I promise you that's all I did. I did hire a staff to come in and help me with, with them. We were tutoring the kids at the same time. I did pay them a nominal fee. But you're talking about 64000 additional dollars without me having to add another class, without having to... Uh, teaching them the lesson simply by turning my lights on, connecting them to my Wi-Fi, making sure that they were logged into their classes. And we would literally sit there from six o'clock in the morning to about four or five in the afternoon. That's what it looked like, Coach, to scale your business. Listen, if you're just tuning in to the podcast, maybe you jumped in somebody's car, maybe you eavesdropping because y'all in the gym together. I don't know how you're listening to this. But let me tell you something. One of the things that I know about most entrepreneurs is that we're super creative. The challenge becomes, Christine, when it comes to being able to slow down and focus on one thing at a time and making that thing work. One of the things that I love is that it wasn't enough for us to share ideas because I remember that day when Governor Hogan shut down the entire deal. All of us remember that day in our state when your governor followed suit and did the same. I remember the day when you came and we were on a intensive call within the MMC Business Builder Academy. And uh, it was a group call. It, it was it was one of the nights where you guys were being trained by somebody else. I remember stopping the whole room because I saw something on your face that didn't look good. And it was fear. It was concern, and it wasn't you. And I said, we're going to turn this conversation into how can we help you figure this out. Here's the challenge. Most people can Google how to do that. You can find on Google how to do something or, or, or what you should do, but you don't often find a community that will help you put feet to fire, that will help you work that thing out from soup to nuts. When you think about those days and where you are today, can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of the right community 
to help you get where you need to go. Because I think that so many of us have trust issues and and concerns in terms of will people consistently show up and do what they say they're going to do. And as a result of bad experiences, we don't we don't trust people. Like Christine, it was not easy for you to pull that off, even though you had help with the ideas, you had help with the execute with the uh, with the strategy and all those kinds of things. How did your community play a part in helping that come to full fruition? And where are you today in your business? Because it didn't stop there. <laughs> wait, there's it, more. <laughs> right, wait, there's more. It definitely didn't stop there. It it, it helped. The, so the business community absolutely helped me to to push through. And what I what I mean by that is when I came in and shared, and you allowed me to share the story. Um, I didn't get, oh, it's going to be okay, baby. We're going to pray you through it. And yes, prayer works. But you you gave me some essential tools. Now, you gave me the tools, but it was up to me to pull the trigger. And let me say that. people, You can have an amazing business community, but if you don't pull the trigger, if you don't actually put put to, put, put it to work, it, it doesn't mean anything. But it was a, a group of other amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who decided that, hey, we're going to pause our time to learn and go help our sister because she needs help to the point where Monty got on a call with me. And it ain't free to get on a call with Monty. I promise y'all that. But got on a call with Monty to help me figure it out because I've never really been on Zoom before and playing music, going to Zoom. What does that look like? Um, tap dancing on Zoom with the music at the same time. Monty helped me figure that out. But it was the business community who can help who can help you scale your business. And I want to, um, I've looked up, um, what does it look like to scale? And I want to kind of, um, and I want to read it to make sure people understand. People think that growing and scaling are the same thing and they are not. So to scale is to plan for all the eventualities and ensure they can operate in different circumstances. And that's what the MMC absolutely, absolutely helped me do, operate in different circumstances. Scalability allows you to be successful throughout the ups and the downs by being prepared. Now, I had to get prepared overnight, but the MMC absolutely helped me prepare overnight. But what would it look like if your business were to, were to be prepared right now for the next pandemic or the next whatever or whatever else is going to happen? Maybe the economy is going to crash. Maybe the stock market is going to plummet, which it, it is currently. But what would it look like if you were already prepared to scale your business where you didn't have to rely on the next client to feed your babies? And that's what it looks like for me. And when we talk about, yeah, there's more. I've started an entire coaching program, a mompreneur coaching program, because I have other moms and women asking me, how are you doing all this without burning out? How are you doing this successfully? So now I bring amazing women to come in and talk to them and show them how to be successful. So not only were we able to pivot and scale Dancing Forest Girls Studio and Company, we were able to brand Christine M. Psalms at the same time. So if I wasn't in the business community and, and getting the support, the, the mental and the intellectual support from the business community, I would not be able to see past where I was at that moment. And that's the thing. People are only looking at where they are right now and not where they want to be. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Christine M. Psalms, and I'm telling you right now, she is killing the game. If this, we all need some help Wednesday, the podcast has helped you. I, I'm telling you, 
Um, This is what I'm about. I want to help you find the easy button. And Christine, uh, the work is hard, but it's highly possible. And I'm just so proud as I look back and, and I think about the people I've had the opportunity to work with over the years. You're definitely one of many examples of what it looks like to hear and to do. To hear and to do. And I'm telling you right now, that is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Can you let people know where they can get in touch with you? If uh, you are a mom and you're overwhelmed and you are trying to do all the things because you actually believe you're superwoman. You actually believe that. And I get it. You're very good at what you do, uh, but you are not called to wear cape. You, you, you're a human, a whole human being, and you have fallacies, and you and you and you need help. Um, Christine is the kind of person that you want to work with. I promise you, and uh, she can help you figure whether you're a business owner or not. You're just trying to juggle all the things and be able to show up and put you first, and and be able to give back to you. Uh, Christine is a person that you want to work with. Christine, come on, talk to us a little bit about how people can um, can find you. Absolutely. So all social media channels, Christine M. Psalms, um, my website, christinemsalms.com. You can definitely click on my bio, click on my link tree, schedule a call with me um, and come and talk, but be ready to work. I tell you that just like uh, uh, we, we heard earlier, if you're not ready to work, don't give me a call. Listen, listen, yeah. that, that part. There. part. <laughs> listen, 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 y'all, y'all be good. Uh, We'll be back next week with another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, Christine, thank you for being a shining light in a very dark world that is full of skepticism. And uh, you are a person that's renewing people's faith every day that it can be done. Kudos to you, lady. I'm just grateful that I get to watch it from the front row. Thanks so much for pulling up. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, Be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.